0: Alongside the co founders of in Goal Magazine, it's Derek Millard and David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley, all gathered together for the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs in a drama filled beginning through the first couple of games as we record this. So, we are going to chat on the Sensorina VR feature interview. Dustin Wolf, Calgary Flames top prospect, got a look at late in the season. You'll be really interested to hear some of his. Uh, approaches uh, to the game. And on the gear segment brought to you by the Hockey Shop, Source for Sports Langley, thehockeyshop.com, we're twigging out with Woodley and Cam. Uh, you guys have some fun this week over there.
1: Yeah, nobody's ever confusing either one of us with Twiggy, however. Little extra meat on the bones over there for me and Cam. But yeah, we had some fun. Some stuff is on sale over at the Hockey Shop and thehockeyshop.com, um including sticks that have come in from True and Warrior, maybe not the latest but for a lot of goalies, still the greatest. These may be models you use already. If not, you can check them out, get more information in our gear segment coming up. And of course, you can always call the hockey shop and talk to Cam or any of his wonderful staff in the goalie department. Um, this is what happens when you have buying power. So what happens when you go to 34,000 square foot store that you've just opened in Langley. This is what happens when you have a large retail presence online. When companies have extra stuff, and they want to sell it off in bulk, guys like Cam hop on board so that they can offer you discounts through sales like this. So make sure you check them out at the hockey shop and thehockeyshop.com. Big discounts, large selection, warrior twigs, true twigs. And of course, it's that time of year where all the new goodies are coming into the store in person as well. So uh, check them out, check them out online, check out the gear segment coming up and find out exactly what models you can save on this month at the hockey shop.
0: New location's been open for a while in Langley. Have you developed a routine as far as a route when you go in, what you do, where you check out uh, when you stop by?
1: Well, I mean, it's a little annoying for everyone because I have to go through multiple sections to get to the goalie Corner. It's kind of off in the back left. I don't want to say they hid Cam. I thought there were a while they were going to hide Cam, like sort of like the troll under the bridge type thing (laughs) because his office was like closed door and walls. But then they cut the wall out. So now you can see them working. Like I kind of wish there was some glass on there so I could just go tap on the glass. Kind of like that. you know, Or maybe even shake the glass a little bit. Kind of like that kid in Finding Nemo with the fish. I would like to do that to camp. But instead, I just, you know, I got to make my way through the other sections. Check out all the cool stuff, including a ton of NHL merchandise, apparel. Like we've talked about the flip-flops. What do they call those with the soft feet to stimulate the bottom of your foot from power? They got uh, all kinds of like apparel, sort of like, you know, joggers, you know, me, I'm hip, I'm young, kind of, you know, that Lululemon type guy. Well, now you got like the Bauer Lululemon crossover. You got like wicked stuff from CCM. They got more streetwear. So, yeah, like I I stop everywhere and annoy all the sections on my way back to the goalie department, Darren. It's um, I maximize my
2: annoyingness. Woody, uh, I know you've been really busy following the NHL playoffs and. Doing all the hard work that you do covering them. But did you notice that the hockey shop made an announcement yesterday?
1: Oh, you know what? I, I am a little overwhelmed. I'm covering one team who never. i teeing you up a softball I know. here. One team that isn't in the playoffs and their year-end. And another team that is in the playoffs in Seattle. And I've been a little torn. And I have almost forgot you, right? fest. You can meet Cam and you
2: can meet Woody. Well, you can Where? meet Cam. I didn't know that anybody wants to meet Woody. I'm just saying you could. I, I don't know why anybody wanted want to you either, but... Tendi Fest, June 17th. Tendy Fest. Date announced.
1: Tendy Fest, oh, June
2: 17th. Out? Dates out. June 17th, mm-hmm. Langley.
1: It's my brother's birthday. Sorry to my brother. I won't be there for your birthday, buddy, but I'm going to be uh, at uh, Tendy Fest on okay. June 17th. It's Where? in Langley. Langley? In Langley. I believe they call it the Twin Rink Complex. This is the first time since pre-COVID, right? Yeah, we're going to have, we got a special guest going to come courtesy of us. We're going to wait on announcing those details, little uh, tease in the industry as they call it. Um, So yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, Your chance to check out all the latest gear, take it on the ice. They have a massive demo day, sort of, this is the, they were the start in this, right? They kicked this off. We've seen this initiated in other communities by other stores, but it kind of originated with the hockey shop. Uh, No better chance to try all that latest and greatest gear I talk about. Get it on the ice. Try it. See how and if it fits your game before you buy it. Tendy Fest is the time to do it. June 17th uh, in Langley. Look for more details on the (coughs) the hockey shop and our social media platforms in the coming weeks.
0: It is the greatest goaltending experience for a consumer trying to prepare you for the buying uh, process. Nothing else compares to it. Your exposure to manufacturers and uh, the, the hockey shop and Source for Sports Langley, it's incredible. And it can be a day-long experience, Hutch.
2: Yeah, and it's not, it's not just the hockey shop folks, as you mentioned, Darren. Like, you get to talk to manufacturers. There'll be representatives there from CCM and Bauer and I don't know how many companies were there last time. I think they even had a whole selection of uh of different profile blades you could get out there and try as well. So um if you want to talk goaltending, lots of coaches around as well. Just a a great opportunity to come and come and hang out and try stuff. And you know, I, I think it's not just about trying the different gear that's there as well, but I think I would love that experience just from a sizing perspective. Cause doing carpet flies is as, as expert as Cam and as and his team are carpet flies are not the same thing as on ice butterflies. So that opportunity to get out there and be sure you're picking the right set of gear uh, is just unparalleled. So get out there and give it a go.
0: June seventeenth, over at Twin Rinks, it's Tendy Fest 2023. This is outstanding, and a special guest to be announced soon. Well, it has to be soon because Tendy Fest is right around the corner, June seventh.
1: We like we like to leave people hanging. Two months.
0: Wow. I'm so excited about this. Uh, almost as, uh, as interesting. This just, just trumped what I, what I really wanted to get to. And that uh, column up on ingolmag.com is the Vesna Trophy winner as obvious as it appears. Is that clickbait? Because I think it's pretty darn straightforward
1: this year with Linus Allmark. I kind of think it is too. But if there's one goalie, That has an argument that could be made. And interestingly enough, this is a goalie that I've seen other people ignore. And I've seen lists that didn't have him as a finalist. So maybe having the discussion is valuable just to make sure that doesn't happen. I've seen a lot of should Ilya Sorokin win it. Uh, And I don't agree with that. But UC Soros, I mean, Sorokin's had a hell of a year. I just don't think the gap, the the one goalie who closes the gap to the point where he actually passes Linus in goals saved above expected, which is a stat that contains volume, right? Like that's a volume-based stat. On a per-shot basis, Linus Allmark was the best goalie in the NHL. But UC Soros played a hell of a lot more. And he played exceptionally. Not quite, again, on a per-shot basis, not quite to the level on a on a rate basis, not to the same heights of, of Linus Elmark, but enough that on a cumulative basis, he passed him in the amount of goal Like that's the prevent goals, right? That's the job. And he prevented more goals than anyone else in the National Hockey League, passed him by about four, got to 37 to Linus's is roughly 34, 33 and a half. Um, I don't know that the quantity is enough to undo the quality that Linus had. I don't know that you can say it's Linus's fault. He only played 49 games because they had an excellent tandem and they had their eyes on winning a Stanley Cup and having both rested, whereas Nashville played the wheels off Soros because they tried to get into the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, but let's be honest, they, they were just both exceptional. They should be 1-2 in the Vesna race. I would listen to arguments for Soros. I would argue for Linus Allmark personally, based on all the numbers that we lay out at IngolMag.com. But if nothing else. We wanted to present the case so people could see why there is a case.
0: The consistency of Allmark was mind-blowing. I I, I have trouble even comprehending uh, the year-to-year from top to to, to bottom hutch Uh, that blows me. I I, I acknowledge the Saros contribution.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've got a soft spot for Saros, obviously, Um, just that that ability to play at such a high level, I know we we don't love to talk about the size thing, but but I think it it is a huge thing to me that he can perform at that level because it requires a level of perfection in his game in order to be able to, to succeed at that level. Uh, Allmark's consistency was absolutely off the charts. I mean, you can say he only played 49 games, but he had... Um, you know, the same number of wins that somebody would have if they had played 59 or 69 games. 62,
1: so. actually. He had the same number of wins as Georgiev in 62 games that the there Avalanche. You
2: go. led the league. There you go. He he did have one advantage over Saros, though. What's that? Yeah, he didn't have to play against the Boston right. Bruins. And,
1: <laughs> you know, the one thing we don't get into in this argument is run support, Um, and I probably should have because I was looking specifically at how you stop pucks, and let's be honest, having run support allows you to play with a level of freedom linus be the first one to tell you that right like knowing your team's going to go out and Mm -hmm. support you and score Um, we do get into the defensive metrics who had the tougher environment and by how much um and yeah Soros had a tougher defensive environment um but linus outplayed his by a by a wider margin um the run support is interesting i mean man Nashville blew it up at the deadline got you know whether it was injuries or trades they got all their top players were out they were rolling you know top lines with you know, actually I got to watch them playing good players, but you know, not household names like top lines with Tommy Novak and Luke Evangelista and and guys we most of us outside of Nashville haven't heard of. And Saros is backstopping them to wins and 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 right down to the end of the season, threatening to get them into the playoffs. So um at the end of the day though, whether it was quality starts, measuring that um, Saros had more, but by a percentage of overall starts, Linus slightly edged him out, 56.3% to 55.6%. Sorokin at 517 Bad games. Bad games count. Giving up bad goals counts. Um, Linus Allmark only had five sort of bad or blowing games all season. That's 10% of his starts. Soros was next in the NHL with 10 out of 63 starts or 62 starts at 15%. Um, you know, a lot of these, there's a lot of different ways of looking at it. And I think at the end of the day, oh, even like high danger save percentage. Um, they were both among tops in the league. I believe, uh, Allmark was first and Linus was in the top three. Um, and so that looks like, oh, like Lena, you know, and and Saros had the most high danger shots in the entire league this season. Um so that counts but you also got to look at low danger like you know we know how bad it is when a goalie gives up a bad goal a low percentage shot um your team loses 87% of the time unless the goalie on the other end gives one up too like that's how important it is not to give up low percentage goals and again and we can talk, like, listen, if he wasn't as busy in Boston, we talk about that being an easy environment. We all know how tough that is sometimes to focus mentally when you're not seeing as many shots. Linus gave up very few and had better numbers on the low percentage shots than any of his competitors in the Vezina discussion. So you get, you get credit for not giving up bad goals, too. We always look at the high-danger stuff, but I think you got to look at the low-danger stuff because um, an ability to keep those out of your net counts as well. I have to go back and listen to this all over again. Because or stuff- or or hear me out because I talked too fast and I just threw a lot of
0: numbers at you. Yeah, that's the part. I, I, I just can't comprehend those numbers the first time around.
1: Go to ingolmag.com cuz oh. Hutch made charts. Okay. We made tables. We made things that 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 sort of make it easier to digest. We put lists in order. Were the so legs hard to make
2: you- on the tables? Yeah, they're probably not level. No. I was never very good in that class. Charts are good. Woody did Woody did most I'm not of the allowed. I'm, not, team, allowed, I'm not allowed to
1: make tables. They wouldn't let me in woodwork class because power tools and me don't get along. Big saws,
0: not oh, good. That's true, not good. Uh, let's uh, slide over to our gear segment brought to you by the Hockey Shop, source for sports. Langley, thehockeyshop.com. You guys uh, working with some some sticks? And I love hearing Cam. And listen for this: the ability to buy, 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 ha- have access to all this stock is is cool.
1: Yep. At 100, we talked about a little bit before in the earlier in the show. Um, you know, this is this is what buying power gets you. This is what having brand trust and building relationships with different companies gets you. So it's what gets the hockey shop the way the way Cam does it. And you know, listen, it's been a little while since we walked through these sticks specifically. You can find them in our past reviews. So, uh, in addition to finding out what's on sale, Cam walks through a few of the highlights of each of these twigs. And a reminder, folks, you can check out all of these gear segments often more sort of with obviously better visuals because there are visuals but a little more detail in depth including links to past reviews by checking out our youtube page as well
0: cam and woody hanging out of the stick rack on ingle radio the podcast with our gear segment presented by the hockey shop source for sports langley the gentlemen
1: Welcome back to the Hockey Shop, source for sports. I was wandering around the stick rack earlier, noticed a whole bunch of, well, I shouldn't say new, because they're not necessarily new. New mods. to us. New to Cam. I noticed a crap ton of new to the store sticks, and I noticed giant sale prices on them. And that immediately had me excited. So I asked Cam, Hey, Cam. That's me. That is you. <laughs> What's with all the sale price sticks? What do we got here? We got True Catalyst 5X on sale. Uh, I can't see, like 170 bucks. Correct. Okay. So we've done a review on this stick. So if people want to know more about this stick, like I'm actually really liking this black with the sort of gray silver trim. That's a stealthy looking stick, like the grip, a rounded shaft. So less edges
3: to get caught by pucks and break.
1: Just an overall. General good mid-price feeling point. stick for a
3: mid-price point stick, correct.
1: Yeah, okay. Not the lightest stick I've held, but decent balance. Okay, remember folks, you can go back and check out our original review on it. The key right now is it's on sale. But I, I also noticed a crap ton, for lack of a better term. You keep using that, yeah. Warrior sticks over yes. there. You've got a whole bunch in stock. You bought a whole bunch. Can you walk me through the model? Because i got to be honest, we've been through so many different warrior sticks over the years. I'm never sure of the different iterations of Pro Plus, Pro Senior, like what are these two and what are the sale prices and why should I buy them?
3: So the two models that I did get are V2 Pro and V2 Pro Plus. What is the difference? So those familiar with the CR1 stick then became the V1 Pro. Now it's the V2 Pro all along the same lines great similar all-around feel on sale for 200 bucks at thehockeyshop.com. I uh, have a chance to pick up quite a few different curves. I've got good sizing in all, good colors in all. This is my pearl. Oh, that's the one. Yes, okay. that nice white with silver <laughs> looks pretty pretty good to me. Yeah, it's a nice stick. Great shiny, good graphic. Again, quite a few to check out. Okay, what's the difference now? Pro Plus. So Pro Plus, I jump up, and now becomes a lighter stick. So once again, taking over for the V1 Pro Plus, V2 Pro Plus follows in those same lines. Higher carbon count, lighter stick as a result. Um, excellent, excellent overall balance and feel-wise. Again, good sizing um, in stock as well as curves in stock. So it's not just pigeonholed to like say one curve. Um, you do have the option of the wedge and the twist. And if you're unsure what a wedge and a twist are, you can
1: always go back to our video on stick curves, which helps break down the different nomenclature from brand to brand to explain.
3: Correct! So, both sticks do feature that Vibex technology, which, again, I do really do notice. Uh, sort of takes, dampens the vibrations Gel layering in between the composites. So again, yeah, that vibration in terms of that stick rattling off that hard slap shot, you really notice that dampening quality to it. So,
1: okay. V2 Pro regular was $250 stick on for $200. Yes. V2 Pro Plus was regular... Uh, $350. And it's on for... $270. And all of
3: these twigs... $280 will cross the border. I believe so. So, for Maybe, our you friends, you tell you what, how would you check it out at www.thehockeyshop.com. And if you have questions, you can give me a call 604-589-8299. Perfect timing. Or one 800 567 Call.
1: If you have questions about <laughs> curves, availability, check them out online. This is a great opportunity to stock up on sticks heading into the summer um let's face it camps you abuse
3: twigs you're hundreds and hundreds of shots in the course of a summer i still want to stick to perform but i don't necessarily want to play the top price point we have options this is perfect this might be my next warm-up stick exactly he didn't mock me for having a no stick. Uh, i come around
1: crash. to the warm-up stick
3: i'm building a group of warm-up stick people
0: Serious question. That's a total Mm -hmm. shot at Woody, but serious question. How long do you use a stick in game action before you have to retire it to your warm-up stick and bring in a
2: fresh version for your games? I think it depends on the level you play at.
1: Oh, so that's probably not a good sign that might have been lasting a lot longer.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, like, I, I can go a season and it's no problem at all. And I don't, and, and I know you're probably thinking, oh, sure, you play a higher level, the, the shots are harder, so you go through them quicker. I, I've just been noticing this year that as much as sticks can last a long time in sort of that practice or warm-up role, after a while, they, they lose a bit of that pop for when you're taking shots, making passes. So if you're a guy who likes to move the puck a lot, they, they tend to wear out, I think, a little bit quicker than we realize just from the outward look at the stick.
1: The tent, they they but break that's down. That's something I
2: don't really have the skill. They break down before they yeah, break. Yeah, you just, yeah, you can just notice that there, there, there's something missing, and you don't even notice it until you pull out a new twig and start working with it again. So, um, as much as I used to laugh at Woody for the warm-up stick thing, I now encourage the goalies I work with to have a gamer, and just leave it there until it loses its luster, and then it's time to move it back in the rotation. Well,
1: we, when you edit this, could you just like pull the volume up on that and repeat it? Just Woody was right
2: woody was right woody was right woody was right you need a warm-up and practice Trend, See, don't, setting, don't, wear, don't or really out. you need to save your best stick for the don't game
1: Wear out your gamer or if you're like me don't fall so in love with a model that you cannot get anymore or a pattern you cannot get and then use it every monday night in your best gate have it break right before the play i brought you a new one it's still not a, i brought it's you doing a new better one. but it's still not identical though that one i used to have oh you know people that
0: maybe are new to the podcast woody uses an old stick for warm up and then uses a newer model for the game and i know of several national hockey league players that do this skaters that will use old sticks in warm up uh, and then go to their new stick uh, in the game because it just feels fresh and and uh, lightning quick so uh, woody i have to give you credit you are if not leading the charge on this you're part
1: of the trend-setting group. Uh, well, it's the first time I've ever been trendsetter, so I'll take it. Um, listen, like it's just kind of no. Like how many shots you see in warm up? Let me see, like thirty or forty, maybe fifty shots in warm up. Right? Sometimes like, like three, buying... three at a time. Three at a time. Yeah, it depends on how good your team is. Sometimes one off the left ear and the right ear at the yes. same time when you're looking at the middle. Um, it's happened in the National Hockey League. I, I think it was. Who was it was it Curtis McElhaney that got one off the ear and ruptured an ear? I'll have to ask Curtis. There was a goalie that ruptured an ear. It might have been Curtis Sanford, actually. Now that I think about it, looking one way, guy shoots from a spot he wasn't looking at, flushes the ear hole, ruptures the eardrum. Um, so make sure your goalie's looking when you shoot. But yeah, you like think about how many shots you see in a warm up, even at the crappy beer league level, they're all coming at you. Like you might see that many shots in a game. Like you might see as many shots in warm up as you do in a game. And they're all wasted shots. You're just trying to work on your hands and see the puck and feel the puck. Why would you take a chance of one of them going off the shaft or catching your stick in a way that compromises? It just makes no sense to me. So there you go.
0: It makes sense financially and it makes sense, uh, performance wise, uh, with your game, uh, outstanding stuff, uh, uh, taking it to the next level and and bringing it to the people like Dustin Wolf is doing right now. Taking it to the next level. Year over year, the acceleration of his performance is staggering. Uh, Dustin is our feature interview brought to you by Sensorena, Sensorena VR. We'll get to uh, more on Dustin in a second, but uh, Hutch, what's going on over at uh, Sensorena?
2: Darren and Woody, I have a question for you. How much do you think 22 hours of ice time would cost you?
0: 22 hours. Well, ice time is... I'm a beer league goalie.
1: I don't Uh, pay for ice time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But But you get my drift. It's not cheap. From now until the end of August, roughly when people are about to start their next season, if you spend 10 minutes a day, that'll add up to 22 hours of work. Now, if you want to get 22 hours of work in on the ice, that's going to get really, really expensive. But if you have Arena and you spend 10 minutes a day facing NHL shooters, 10 minutes a day doing drills, looking at power plays, maybe even throwing in some of the neurocognitive stuff, just 10 minutes a day, guys, you're going to get 22 hours of practice in before next season starts. I think that's an incredible opportunity. Oh, and by the way, if you had SensArena, those 22 hours could be a lot more and you've got it all next season if you want it as well. So I think this is a great time to go try SensArena virtual reality goaltending training. If you do it today, you can get a free trial. If you already have an Oculus headset, you can get free shipping. You can get the free sleeves, those things that connect the Oculus controllers to your goalie gloves. And while the sun is out this summer, you can still be on the outdoor rink training to get better for next season and having fun while you're doing it. Sense arena, great opportunity.
0: How much is an hour of ice time where you guys are?
1: I was going to say, it's got to be at least five or six grand where we are here to get 22 hours ice over the course of a summer, at least five or six grand. That's without a, that's without a coach.
2: I know somebody who checked into ice over by you. Um, just a couple of days ago and it was sort of three, three fifty an hour. Just, just crazy. A uh, lot cheaper over here on the Island, but at the end of the day, 22 hours is expensive. So, and then don't forget, you've got that sensorina app. You've got coaches in sensorina leading you through training programs. You've got the app so you can follow and get tips and tricks and, and follow your stats. And, and then, like I said, you got it all season long. So
0: yeah, $7,700. Did you just say it,
1: 350? Well, no. based on 3 based on 350, yeah, yeah. 100%. And that's like that,
2: uh, Yeah, and like obviously not everybody's going out and renting private ice and and pulling out shooters and all that sort of stuff, but imagine 22 hours of training in in any uh way with with a coach uh in a camp. It's uh it's How many it, parents have reached out to us and talked about
1: make dozens, it, making making that investment in the summer and then their kid and then letting their kid be a kid not go endless non-stop goalie camps played other sports came back but kept doing sense arena and then when he came back for camps and stuff in august had taken a step in their tracking in their habits in the way they see the puck and made a rep team like we have these emails that come in on a regular basis talking about the importance of using it in the summers so even if you are spending the money on all the camps how much better is your ice time if you walk out there prepared your eyes are warmed up your hands are warmed up everything feels good as opposed to walking you spend some parents will spend what? Like, what's a what's a high end camp these days for a week? Like, some of these prospect camps are like multiple thousands of dollars. Imagine walking in there cold versus walking in there feeling good about your game, so you can get the most out of it. Um, I, I I sound like an advertisement here. I know that, but we've heard so much from so many about just how impactful this tool can be uh, when ice is you know not as readily available, especially in the summers.
0: I think Hutch is going to need a sensorina station at Tendy Fest. Because you're so dialed in on this, how will we know you, Hutch? We we maybe we haven't seen you. We've just listened to the podcast. You're the one with the Oculus headset. You're the guy.
2: I like to hide in the shadows. No, you're, yeah, I like to hide in the shadows. Which it's one's all Hutch? Good.
0: The Oculus headset. That's him right there,
2: <laughs> uh, looking all around. Yeah. Uh, hey, you know that that idea of just ten minutes a day and what a huge difference it can make. This week's feature interview with dustin wolf he mentions a number of things that he does each day as part of his training and uh and i just think now is a great time to evaluate the the power of a few minutes a day spent on anything whether it's Sense Arena, your vision training he talks about meditation in the interview this week uh i now's the time to make a difference for next season don't wait till august
0: uh, woody this is a really interesting conversation about uh, a player who has grabbed so many people's attention in the last couple of years.
1: Yeah. and I mean, obviously in the spotlight at the end of the season coming off his NHL debut. So we really appreciate Dustin just celebrated his 22nd birthday the day before we caught up with him. So he's got a lot going on right now, um, but he made time for us. And and I think it was an important interview, just not just because like, It's easy to sort of get caught up, myself included, with the National Hockey League, right? You're so busy in the day-to-day of covering it. Like, this kid had a sensational season in the American Hockey League. He's the reigning AHL Goalie of the Year. As a first-year pro, like first full season in the AHL last year, he wins the Goalie of the Year. He follows it up by taking a jump, a significant improvement in both his personal performance and his statistics. Um, The awards are not out yet for the American Hockey League. Uh, I think he won their equivalent of the Jennings in terms of fewest goals against. He's already won that. Obviously, I think it's a no-brainer, according to the people I talk to, that he will win his second straight American Hockey League goalie of the year. And there is a lot of talk around the American Hockey League, and we'll see how the voters decide. I- I'm going to be perfectly honest. I don't even know who votes on this one at the AHL level. But when I talk to people around the AHL, he should be in their minds and is a strong candidate to be the MVP of the entire league. So forget just top goalie. Like, And we got to see him in the Calgary debut. As you're going to hear. Admittedly a little fidgety. A little uh, a little outside his normal game at the beginning. But he still makes by the end of the night 23 at 24. By the third period looks like the Dustin Wolf that has all of us so excited. Um, not just for the Calgary Flames but for him. Uh, we've had him on before. We know some of his background. We get into a little bit of it and refresh it. Uh, just a great conversation that I think will leave goalies, you know, with a lot of thoughts about how they manage their ice, about how they manage their time, about how they manage their game. Like there are tons of takeaways in this 30-minute interview with Dustin Wolf. So I was happy he made that time for us.
0: Won the American Hockey League top goaltender and then tweaked his game and got better. Listen for it. It's the it's, it, feature it, It's interface. the how. It's yeah. the how that matters on that one. So it, uh, it also, when you listen to it, go, have I heard this recently? Uh, I think I have. There's a, a bit of a trend going in this direction. It's the feature interview brought to you by Sensorena, Sensorena VR with Kevin Woodley and Dustin Wolf on Ingold Radio, the podcast.
1: Really excited to welcome back to the Ingold Radio podcast, Dustin Wolf, now NHL goalie Dustin Wolf, NHL experience Dustin Wolf. Um, been a heck of a week for you, Dustin, and I really appreciate you taking time. Um, I want to go over your year, everything since we talked to you last year. But let let's start with sort of um one of the latest highlights in what has been two years full of highlights. Getting to make your National Hockey League debut with the Calgary Flames, twenty three saves and a three one win over a team I think you grew up cheering for, the San Jose Sharks. What's uh, what what was that like? What's it been like since I'm guessing your phone is full of messages from long lost friends.
4: Yeah, no, obviously uh, super rewarding, um, you know, two years in, in the American league now, and kind of just been hoping and waiting for an opportunity to present itself. And um, you know, the flames got knocked out of the playoffs with one game left. And they, they gave me a chance to, uh, you know, do what I do best. And, um, you know, I really enjoy it. Like you said, I, Grew up watching the Sharks since I was a little kid. And, um, you know, it was pretty awesome to, uh, you know, be in that environment, be in, you know, be in front of a full solid dome and be around the guys. And um, obviously pretty cool. The beat spear cat on the other side, too. So, um, no, it was definitely, it's been a pretty fun week to say the least.
1: Okay. So I was going to ask about that. Like one thing to have mom and dad there, that's pretty cool. But year old goalie coach, the goalie coach you worked with all last year is now the goalie coach of the San Jose sharks, Thomas spear. What, what element did that add to it? If any.
4: Yeah. The, I found out on Tuesday morning that, you know, I was getting called up and that there was a chance I was get, going to get to play. And obviously I knew who the flames were playing. So as soon as I heard, I texted Spears. He had asked if he was in town. We ended up catching up at uh, dinner and, um, no, it was good to, you know, catch up with him. He's you know, he's been family to me and um, you know, I keep in touch with him and you know, his kids and uh you know, his au pair. And um, you know, it's been pretty pretty cool though. It's kinda of just full circle and it's crazy how the hockey world works out with things like that. So
1: no no fear that he had like a little extra intel on in the pre scout for, for, for San Jose or what?
4: Who knows? I mean, I think my play has maybe changed a little bit since since last year but um no he, he i'm sure he keeps uh you know track of what what i'm doing i'm sure of many other goalies in the league but um like i said it's fun to be somebody you consider it, uh a family and you're obviously gonna make sure i give it to him for the for the rest of the time for sure
1: <laughs> so what's the preparation like? I mean, I saw some quotes about trying to treat it like just another game, but clearly it's not. What allows you to get as close to that as possible? How did you feel it went Like in terms of managing the emotions that come with a night like that? You've obviously played on massive stages at every level, Dustin, but this is different. It's another step up. It's a brighter spotlight. What keys can you maybe share with other young kids who might have playoffs coming up right now for the first time at a higher level and you know, how do you stay in the moment and stay in your game when everything around you changes a little bit?
4: Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's a whole different. It's it's still hockey, but at the same time, the the pressure, the scenario, the players on the other side—they're you know—they're different than what you're used to. And you know, you've kind of I've become a company to the American League where you know it's just another game. I, you know, I'm not nervous. I just go out there and play, yeah. and you know, I've found success. So. Um, you know, I know if I just go out there and, and do my thing and make sure I'm prepared, uh, you know, the right way that, you know, I'm always going to give myself and our team a good chance to, to win. And, you know, I think I just tried to keep that the same, didn't change my routines at all, but, you know, it was a late game. So there was a lot of time, you know, spent on the couch kind of trying to, not think about the game and maybe just interact with some, some family or friends that have contacted me and um, you know really just try to put it in perspective that you know it was probably one of the biggest days of my life and you know, by no means was it was it easy. I think the first period period and a half I wasn't necessarily at the top of my game. I, obviously I made some plays that, you know, I probably would have liked to have done a little differently, but um you know I think that's the learning curve to it and obviously I don't like to say I'm nervous but you know that was pretty nerve-wracking to say the least and you know as the game went on I got more comfortable and I think the third period showed that you know when I get in my in my zone that you know things just come and pucks come and um, you know I can be pretty effective so but it was it was an awesome experience for sure and obviously hoping to uh, get more chances uh, this next season.
1: So that those extra, like you said, whether it's nerves or just extra energy that comes with such a new situation with so much pressure, um, if you felt them in the first period or you felt like your game wasn't what we're used to seeing, was there anything you said? Was it just the time and experience and, and taking a breath? Or was there anything you did or said to yourself you know, between periods or during the game that helped you find – you know what? What what anyone who's watched you considers sort of peaked us and Wolf by the time the third period starts.
4: Yeah, I think just try to settle myself down. Just um, you know, the first goal goes in, and you know, kind of in the back of my mind, I'm like oh shit, like you want to stop every puck, and you know, one beats this year. Like let's just try to you know get back to to what I do best, and I think almost at the same time you give up one early that maybe the pressure's off of like, Hey, may- I don't have to put up a zero on the board tonight. I can just go out there and, and do my thing. And, um, you know, they ended up, I ended up not going get, get, getting the puck in the corner and, um, made it up center. And they actually batted it in with their hands. So thankfully it was called back. Uh, I kind of joked about it after the game that if that was the American league, it probably would have counted. But, uh, I think after that goal was just they I just, kind of told myself to just settle down and relax and, you know, kind of just take a swig of water and, you know, just go back to what I do best and, you know, use my my hockey sense to make plays yeah. that, you know, I necessarily wasn't making in the first 10 minutes, 10, and 15 minutes. And, you know, the guys were super supportive in the room of, you know, if I don't play or make plays that I would like, you know, I'll let them know that, hey, like that's on me. Like I'll make sure that I go get that puck or whatever. You know, they were super supportive of just do your thing, like don't worry about it, like we got you. And you know it's pretty pretty humbling to see guys that have played so many games at that level, and you know they just want to see you succeed. So, uh, pretty special for sure.
1: Okay, I want to ask you a little bit of preparation because you, you talked about just your routine and sticking with it, and that allowing you to sort of treat the day like any other day. You're playing a game at night. Are there any things you can share with us in terms of the details of how you get ready to play for a game? Um, you know, again, that it's that fine line, right. Between routine and superstition, um, routine can help anchor us, but we don't want to get too carried away with it. Where, 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 what does yours look like getting ready for a game?
4: Yeah. I mean, in the morning, as soon as I wake up, I, uh, try to meditate for 15 or so minutes. You know, I've got the same so-called sound you want to call it or whatever. Um, basically birds chirping in the park and, uh, just try to. Ground myself a little bit before I get the day started, and
1: is that an everyday thing for you, Dustin? Is that and how long you've been doing that?
4: Yeah, I've been doing it for a couple of years now. Um, you know, I'd like to be maybe a little more diligent on days that we're not playing, but um, that's definitely a work in progress. And I think I find myself at times it's hard for me to just sit still, and but I think when I play, like I'm super detailed and oriented. That you know, I want to make sure that. I'm doing everything I can to make sure I'm prepared to make sure the team's gonna get my best. And um yeah, so that starts right in the morning and in the American League, uh gave me and him have a routine on the ice. Um, you know, we go out there ten minutes early and do a couple, you know, warm up the hands and get get the legs moving and we do a at the very end of warm up or in, in a morning skate, I uh we do what we like to call, we'll go back to uh, Jenner. Jenner created this driller, called this drill, whatever. He calls it the The kipper after Kippersoff for whatever reason. I don't know why. You just put a pile of pucks on top of the circles and one in the middle. And it, we just start, we'll go three rounds of three shots at each pile. So you're getting nine shots at each pile. Um, you just shoot one at the glove, shoot one at the blocker, and then one on the ice you just go through that nine times or three times. So about 27 shots. And uh, I find that from distance, you get a chance to just see pucks and track pucks. And I think it's a good way to to finish it off. Um,
1: I like that. I, I think I might have that somewhere. Uh, if it hasn't changed since last year, I might have that on video somewhere. Yeah. We might have to change. We might have to share that one with, uh, with the in goal audience as well.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. I, I find it very, uh, Yo, it works for me. Right. So yeah. everybody's got their own thing. And, um, you know, that kind of, and then I just, you know, do my stretch and get whatever treatment I need and get the heck out of the rink. Um, spend way too much time there as it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> always the last one out of there. And by the time I get home, it's like, man, I should not be, I should be sleeping right now. <laughs> Anyways. Um, you no, know, as the same, same old, they just back to the rink and this was a late one too so you don't i didn't get there till about five o'clock and you know i think most goalies do a lot of similar things right they juggle or you know breathe or whatever uh i like to juggle i like to get on the bike for a few minutes um i like to watch the pre-scouts of the shootouts of guys that have tendencies you know i find that that's one our team a few games over the last couple years Uh, Just knowing what guys like to do and you can kind of cheat a little bit and catch them off guard. As it goes on, you just try to, you know, I just tried to relax and try to enjoy it. And this first game was probably the first time maybe I had to crunch on some Tums and that's pretty unorthodox for myself because I'm pretty, pretty relaxed. But I think there is uh a fair reason for why. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I would say that this is, if there's ever going to be a reason to have a, a little bit of upset tummy, it's, it's, your, it's your NHL debut under those circumstances for sure. Um, let's go back to the season. You mentioned Skapsky. You talked about Jenner, James Jensen, your goalie coach growing up. We've mentioned Thomas Spear. Obviously, a change there. Thomas with you all last year. Um, he moves on to San Jose as the, as the NHL goalie coach there, and in comes Mackenzie Skapsky. What's that like building a new relationship? Because you obviously had so much success last year. AHL goalie of the year. I mean, 33 wins, 924 save percentage. And now you've got a new voice. Walk me through you two getting to know each other um, for starters. And then maybe some of the things that you have evolved because the position is constantly evolving. And when I watch, I see a couple things that might be a little different. So, you know, I'll I'll leave it to you to share share if there are any you're comfortable sharing in terms of some of the adjustments you've made together.
4: Yeah, I mean, after uh, seasons end, um, you know, in a lot of clubs and a lot of different teams, you know, you're going to see changes in staff and personnel. Um, you know, I know Spearsy was looking at the Sharks and they had an open open gig, and you know, one side of me is like, I don't want you to get that job, <laughs> right? And one side of me is like, I want you to get that job because you deserve it. And it's tough, it for sure does. Um, you know, I ended up getting it. And after a few weeks, I remember Siggy called me and said, Hey, we, we brought in this guy, Mackenzie skapsky at the time. I had known the name, obviously he's played a few games and just knew the name, didn't know him as a person. And first thing he did was call me and say, Hey, like we're going to have a great year. And like, what did Spearsy do? on a daily basis that made you feel comfortable and whatever, you know, just make sure that we're all on the same page. We're all at a good comfort level. And, you know, we're here to win hockey games. And, you know, from the very start, he was very receptive to everything I was saying and how he treated myself and, and our other goalie. And, um, you know, he's done an exceptional job. Um, you know, he's a younger guy, so he kind of can relate. To a lot of us, and um, fellow you know, redhead helping. doesn't hurt. Yeah, yeah. There you go. He's fellow ginger. Got to keep him, keep him locked down. No, but we've just things at the rink have been exceptionally. Does you know? I really like how he formats his game video, and we're super nitpicky on little things that you know. Last year, I didn't. We didn't really think much about, but this year is. Turned into a, a season where we're improving things that I was already good at, but they're becoming exceptionally better. Can you share an example? Yeah, I mean, last year as an adjustment period coming from junior, um, you know, guys are more skilled in the American League, right? Um, you know, I played pretty far outside of my paint, and this year I still play outside my paint at times, but I play a lot deeper. In a lot of scenarios, especially on like the penalty kill or um, plays that have an extra threat, you know you're not finding me two feet outside the blue and I think that's been super super effective. I've been within my lines as scas like to call it you know i've very I've simplified my game a lot you know it makes me moving within my paint so much easier you know I'm relying on my tracking ability to pick up pucks from distance or in tight and not having to be three feet outside my net. And, you know, it's been exponentially better for myself. You know, I've we've focused on shifting into pucks a ton. You know, you don't really think about it too much. I mean, I didn't even think about it last year at all. You just kind of do it. Right. Um, but this year, like, I find myself really. You know, engaging into shifting and not just sliding. And, you know, I'm within my lines, like I said. And um, it gives me a chance on rebounds and, you know, whatever broken plays. I'm not out, out to lunch, right? I've got a chance to, to make every save. And I think those two are probably the biggest ones for sure. Um, obviously, I think it's kind of shown how I've played throughout the year that, you know, you find. Those little details that you can perfect, and you know, it goes a long way.
1: Yeah, position's constantly evolving, right? And as you said, like as incredible as last season was, uh, this year you tie a record for the most single season wins in AHL history with forty two, nine thirty two save percentage, seven shutouts. Just to go back to the plane a little bit deeper, how much of an adjustment was that for you? And was there an element at all of having more time once you got comfortable back there, not just in terms of the broken plays and if somebody moves it east-west on you, but even reacting to an open release.
4: Yeah, I mean, it goes just... If you can track pucks really well, um, you know, you're know you going to put yourself in a good position to make as many saves as you can. And I think managing my depth and managing my lines and also shifting into pucks and. Um, you know, it all kind of goes hand in hand. It's literally just simplifying your game. Last year, I did a lot of, you know, I made myself work an extra, a lot harder than I needed to. Um, just because of how I was playing, I was way outside my paint and had to cover more ground than I needed to. And this year I've just, you know, made it super simple. i make sure I'm getting my feet set and my feet aren't drifting on shots and um, I don't have busy feet. And I think it even goes back to this past weekend in Friday night in Abbotsford, I felt good. But at the same time, I knew there was, you know, I was a little busy, busy feet, um, a little too outside my lines. Um, you know, made a couple of plays that kind of cost goals. And, you know, that's the difference maker in games this time of year. And I come back on Saturday and I was super composed and super, um, you know, compact and simple, and just made my life super easy. And you were able to come out with the win. So, you know, it's just the super fine details that maybe one doesn't necessarily notice, but they're they're big difference makers.
3: Well, it's funny because
1: I sat with Mackenzie during the Friday night's game, and. I was really impressed, and he was telling me that there was just, you were just that much off, and he mentioned those same things, and I wasn't able to make it back for Saturday night's game, um, but it's interesting just to, to hear you talk about how subtle that change is and that you see the difference you know, in terms of results and goals, and that was a big one for you guys because winning on Saturday night got you the bye out of the first round of the playoffs, which is so crucial in the American Hockey League, so obviously those adjustments are important. Um, we hear a lot, Dustin, about slide versus shift. Um, just, can you walk me through like for, for a young goalie or actually any goalie that hears you say that shifting more rather than sliding, um, how it manifests itself in terms of how you feel about one movement versus the other and maybe some of the work or mindset that goes into changing that of of making a shift into a shot versus pushing into a slide.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think the simple way to put it is you're not just going to go, um, You're not just sliding on a pass or sliding on, uh, you know, a backdoor play, you know, shifting, you're staying compact. You're not creating holes. We've done a lot of work on shifting just into, say, high high shots, keeping feet. You know, it's pretty easy to say, hey, this shot's going to go, you know, mid glove and you slide into it when you can just drop your say left knee and, uh, you don't create extra havoc for you, for yourself. If you know, a rebound is produced, you know, I think there's kind of a fine line in terms of when to use it, when to slide and whatnot. Um, there are certainly scenarios for both. Um, but at the end of the day, if you can create less holes, um, make yourself just a wall and just make your life easy. You know, you're going to find yourself with more energy, more. You know, you're know, you going to make more saves, in my opinion. So it's, uh, it's a skill that certainly gets overlooked, I think.
1: Okay. Speaking of skills, you've mentioned tracking a couple times. And I do want to touch on it. We've talked about it before. But I think how you define it, how the people you work with define it, it'd be good for people to hear it again. But before we get to that, I want to talk about one that I think is overlooked when it comes to your game. And, and maybe this is just me not watching enough in the American Hockey League, but it sure jumped out at me in that game with the Flames and watching you again here at the end of the season with the Wranglers. Puck handling. Um, has it always been a strength and the rest of us just weren't paying close enough attention? Because you made some, you went out and got some touches in that NHL game where, man, like no panic. The puck was off your stick, I would say, like fractions of second before the forecheck arrives, and yet it never looked like you were in a rush or in a hurry. You just made the play calmly. Has that always been a strength? If not, what have you done to work on it? What advice would you give to young goalies about how to become a better puck handler? Because it's such a crucial part of the game, and I notice it even here you know, with the Wranglers. Like just the, even if it's just getting out and leaving it and setting it for your defenseman to wheel... Um, what a difference that makes compared to goaltenders that, that don't have that ability to get out and help their defenders.
4: Yeah, I've always liked uh, to play pucks and try to help my D as much as possible. I think this year as I've gotten more comfortable in the league and you know, you pre scout their four checks and see what most teams like to do. and um, Again, I try to be as patient as I can. Sometimes being patient costs me, and, um, you know, I think that kind of maybe saw that in, in Friday's night's game a little bit. Um, those first two goals were kind of a lack of sorts of, you know, poor puck placement, and, you know, they end up cost us, say, 30 seconds later, but. Um, hey, hey,
1: hey, that for I, I, you show me where the outlet was for you on that first one because because <laughs> I looked at the replay because I know that sequence started with the turnover as you went up the wall but I kept looking at the replays and I'm like where was the outlet like where was the play he could have made I guess it's a harder rim along the grass glass, but th- I guess those are the things you have to sort of figure out at the pro level
4: yeah for sure that's just it you know you get back there and I think you know I think I held on to that puck for you know a second or two too long and at that point you're trying to figure out what to do and you're you're honestly screwing yourself over more by trying to think of where to put it. Um but no I just if you can help your D it's exponential for your group. Um so I like to try to drag a D man or a forward in and give a guy a pass to give him some time. Um I wouldn't say we've necessarily done a whole lot uh, this year in terms of improving. I think it just came down to being more patient and reading the four checks and just experience, honestly. Um, You know, the more you do it, the better you're going to get at it. And, you know, anytime there's a chance in practice or games to go get a puck, I try to do as much as I can. Um, I find it fun too, right? You're, You're out there, just you're playing shitty hockey. And uh, if you can do it effectively, by all means, go after it. And I think your D-man will love you for it.
1: Well, I think that's great advice too. Just like that's the one thing. Goalies get left alone sometimes in practices. You know, plays down at the other end of the ice for a while and you're sitting in your net. Like grab a puck. Like every, every goalie we've talked to that's an exceptional puck handler talks about never losing or missing out on an opportunity to grab a puck, work with it, play with it, find a guy you can pass it to. And just keep working on it um, without having to be sort of told or, or have the structure built into you getting a chance to work on it.
4: Yeah, for sure, obviously. I mean, like I said, if you can do it exceptionally well and work on it and get better, you're, you're going to not only help yourself out as a, as a player that coaches and staff are watching, but you know, also as a teammate, you're helping your D-man out. You're helping your forwards out, making their life easier.
1: So patience, you talk about patience with puck handling. Patience off the release tracking. Um, there were a couple here the other night, and I, I feel like every time I say I'm, I was super impressed with something, you're telling me it was an off night. But there was one. I think it was Klimovich, top of the circle, and he's winding up for, and he's got a good shot. I think he scored 16 or 17 goals in limited ice time in the American League this year. Um, 20 years old, and he's winding up for a slap shot, and he makes a pretty, what I thought was a pretty nice slap pass to the back door. And not only do you get a push across, but you get rotation you have a controlled push, you arrive compact at that backdoor opportunity. Whereas most guys, man, I want to say at every level, a lot of guys are committing to their knees off the fake slapper for starters. And anybody that isn't is probably pushing across flat. The ability to get the rotation into that push, where does this come from? Where does does that patience come from, whether it's off the release or into movement or the, the quickness with which you move around the crease after having patience before making that move? What we talk about the foundations of your game. Where's that? Where's the origin on that?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think to start with, um, you know, I always like to keep my feet. We like to me and Spears came up with the turb of fifty-fifty, whereas like you said, he's winding up for a one timer. You adjust on your feet and you can drop down mid push, you know, if you need to. Um, you know, I think the secondary part of it is I've been able to play within my lines and play within my paint and get strong pushes um, this year because of Skapski and the things we worked on. And exactly that. I get to my spot with Klimovic. You know, he goes back door. And because I'm playing a little bit deeper within my paint, I have the ability to, you know, adjust, you know, my back foot and get angle um, to that back post pretty effectively. And, you know, last year, you know, I'm probably out a little extra foot and I probably don't get that rotation angle and most likely don't get to that back post. Right. So, um, it seems like something very simple, but if you can rely on your tracking ability, if he shoots it to make the save, and then also be able to be a little bit deeper to make those rotations and saves on the back post if you need it. It's, uh, it works.
1: <laughs> it's, well, and it's funny too because it's a little counterintuitive, right? Because I think a lot of people, the stereotype doesn't, and I actually said I was not going to ask any of these questions today and now I'm going to do it because I saw it with UC. You know, Every time I watch UC on TV, the commentators, at least on the national stage, talk about him taking more ice. And I don't think that's actually, in situationally he will, but I don't think it's a default, and so I think a lot of people probably look at you being a six-foot goalie and think, oh, he's got to be out there on the edge of the crease, and here we are talking about the biggest change in your game, and a a big improvement in numbers is taking less ice, and I think there's a really important lesson there for goalies of
4: all ages and sizes. Yeah, I mean, everybody for, till the time I stop playing, till the time UC stops playing, they're all going to call us short. Right. And it's unfortunate that they consider six foot short, but at the same time, like we're doing what we're set out to do. We're stopping pucks. And, you know, Saros had what the best year in terms of goals saved above average. And, yep. uh, you know, I watched that game. He played a week or two ago here against the Flames, and, you know, he was exceptional. Like you said, he's everybody says he takes paint, but, you know, much like myself, he's playing within his lines. He's keep holding yeah. his edge. He's getting strong pushes, and he's, you know, he's making saves that a lot of guys necessarily won't make. So, with being six foot, they're even less at that point. So, it's kind of almost just shoving it in their face, and uh, it's kind of fun to do so.
1: <laughs> let's well, let's add Devin Levi to the list at six foot and in the, in the sure. year that he had as well. So. Um, I swear to God, we're going to change this narrative one day, Dustin, so I don't even have to ask those questions. But I do think, you know, for other, there's a good lesson here because there are a lot of goalies out there who probably hear that message from coaches, Dustin, that are probably being told, well, hey, you're not that big. You need to get out there. And so it's probably really beneficial for them to hear that, you know, taking more ice is not necessarily the answer. Situationally, yeah, sure. But not on a not as a default policy just because you're not six foot
4: five. Yeah. You gotta you know maintain you know it all comes back down to your skating and your tracking. If you can do those two things really well, you're gonna be able to read the play. You're gonna know if there's a pass option and if you can take ice or if you should give up some ice in case he passes it. Um you can rely on your tracking if there's an option, but you're not so sure he's going to pass it, and You know what? It's If you stop the puck, you stop the puck, yeah at the end of the day, right? So
1: Hey last uh, you, you mentioned track. we've taught, you, I've tracking a whole bunch here, and when you talk about that push and the patience and the, and the routes or the lines you're taking under Skapsky to make that backdoor push, the other thing that I notice is you don't just push into it, like you track into that rotation. Can you just talk to us about because we've heard you use the word tracking, and just for our audience, I think I have a good feel for what you mean by it. But just for our audience, like define it, define it for us, and how you see yourself tracking the puck that might be different from those that just say, yeah, just look at the puck in terms of how how you look at the puck.
4: Yeah, I mean, Jenner considers or or likes to call it tracking down. Um, You know, the puck is always coming closer to you. It's coming under your eyes. Um, So the simple you know, way to say it is chin down, eyes on puck, sort of thing. Um, you know, the puck is always going to be coming closer to you, and it's 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 easier it's easier uh, done than said. I'd say, you know, it's probably more of a topic for Jenner, but he. Uh, We're gonna have to call him up and get him on here soon. Give him a give him a call. He'll, he'll give you the rundown. But uh, no, it's it's not just you know, putting your eyes on the pockets. you know, you're tracking passes. Um, you know, you're reaching the point where we like to call it the near point where between two positions or two spots, um, puck goes from one and comes closer to you, reaches the point where it's closest to you and then goes away. Um, you know, so there's a lot of different aspects to to tracking. It's not just, hey, the puck's coming to you, watch it. So you know staying on top of pucks making sure that you're giving your your body and eyes a chance to see as much of the release as possible if you can see the release uh even if it's through a screen there's a good chance you're able to find it or know approximation where it's going to be you can shift into it um no there's a lot of super fine details but if you can find the release No, that's the most important thing, I think.
1: Well, and movement too. Uh, I I won't make you describe near point, far point and all that stuff. But just in terms of the rotation, it helps you build when you track a certain way to make movements that are the most efficient, that allow you to get that rotation you talked about earlier on those lines. But like I said, we'll get Jenner on here to explain it in more detail. I got one last one for you because you're a no stone unturned guy and we love no stone unturned guys. Um, I know in the past, we've talked to you about slide boards. You use the ball machine that we wrote about. Um, is there anything... What's Dustin Wolf got now off the ice? Or have you simplified some of the tools you use to stay sharp? What's... What's well, Is there anything you can share with us that we can share with our audience that you're using these days?
4: Yeah, nothing too crazy. Um, first half of the season, I uh, started going to a vision training a uh, place here in Calgary that the Flames use. Um you know the season got super, super crazy on the second half, so I haven't really had an opportunity to to get back in there. But um I got a bunch of tools at home. We do a bunch of we call it the near far chart where I don't know ten, fifteen feet back with a piece of paper with letters on the wall and you know, you're reading the letters back and forth between a big sheet and a small sheet. Um I forgot what it's called, maybe a Bronx string or something. I think that's called, it's got, it's like a string with little uh, beads on it. Um, Training converg- convergence. Yeah, divergence, exactly. Yep. Correct. Um, so basically that sort of stuff, that was kind of a new add to, uh, to my system. And actually Comrie kind of got me in into that a little bit in the summer. Um, so it, just, just the simple things, right. It's, tedious, but I mean, it works, right? So
1: You felt, felt, felt better. Felt, the eyes felt better. They're, they're
4: muscles too, right? For sure they are. It's, they go un, uh, unnoticed, but they're important. Okay. Dustin, I took. You, I am six minutes over
1: what I promised I would be. My apologies and my appreciation for your patience. Lots of great answers in there. Are lots of things that a lot of kids are going to be able to take away from. I did not get the glove position when we touched on last time, but I wanted to I wanted to hit it again. We'll save that for down the road. One of these days, uh, maybe even see you here in Abbotsford for, for the playoffs, depending on how everybody does. Um, thanks so much for the time and congratulations on a fantastic season.
4: Thanks, Kevin. I really appreciate it. Oh,
0: well, sorry. I was I was meditating there as I was listening to that uh, to that interview. I I, I love the meditation. Mm. Hutch
1: meditates now.
2: Every morning, how long? every morning, 10, 12 minutes, not that long. I just follow along with something in, you know, one of the many, um, apps for meditation. It's made a, it's made a huge difference. Honestly, guys, it's, uh, I, I'm one of those people that sort of has that voice in my head yammering away all the time, running through all sorts of things. And just that little 10 or 12 minutes in the morning really quieted things down for me. I I call that voice, my hamster. He's got a wheel and he's just constantly running up there. If, yeah, I, if I, start I know, meditating, and it's amazing how it just really, settles If
1: it. I start meditating, will you know, I be right, less Woody.
2: snaptastic? I, you might be. You might no. be. I've always been pretty chill,
0: uh, Hutch, the voice that's running around in your head is named Woody. Just, just so we're all aware of- <laughs> Apologies.
1: Of labels yeah. here.
0: All right. Uh, <laughs> the, the depth and the size part uh, are, are two different areas, but they, they come together in, in such a big way.
1: And we did not want to make this about size. Every time we talk to Wolfie, we say we're not going to talk about size, and everybody does, and we end up doing it too. Because, again, because we, you want also want to shout it from the rooftops, right? Like, you see, we just had this discussion. Like, UC Soros is a legitimate Vesna candidate, despite Linus Almark having a historically good season. Because that's how freaking good UC Soros is. And Soros is listed at six foot, but I'm sorry, he's not. Devin Levi, look at the season we talked about him and the coming six-footer. Dustin Wolf listed at six foot. Again, perhaps a bit generous, let's face it. They list the goalies a little taller than they are sometimes. At the end of the day, at a time when the league continues to chase six-foot-five behemoths, these guys are playing not just well, but at the top levels of the game, And they're doing things that I think the mainstream analysts, and I hate to say it, a lot of coaches at the minor levels, and I'm not talking, I'm not hammering on goalie coaches here, but like, let's be honest, a lot of kids don't get goalie coaches when they're in minor hockey, are going to look at a kid that size or an undersized kid at younger ages, and they're going to say, You're small, you need to challenge. You need to cut down the angle like it's 1988 or some crap. Dustin Wolf had a sensational rookie season in the
4: American Hockey League. Started playing deeper and got better. There are no absolutes in
1: this position. Dustin takes ice when he needs it. He's starting from a more neutral position. As he talked about, he will get to the edge of his crease when he needs to be. But it's changed how he plays a lot of situational stuff. UC Saros, we talked about Linus Selmark and recoil and backing up. UC Soros has a little bit in that in his game. And yet every time I watch UC Soros on like a national broadcast, they're talking about how, look how aggressive he is. And yeah, he will take ice situationally. But you do not have to come flying out of your crease and play two feet outside it just because you're not six foot five. And the reality is Dustin Wolf, right alongside UC Soros, and I would love if we could figure out some type of goalie speed test the goalie equivalent of the 40 yard dash t pushes and butterfly slides because i swear to god wolf is the fastest goaltender i've ever seen it's insane you should watch i've watched him practices where they do drills that are 100 percent set up to be scorer drills like the goalie has no chance this is all about scoring and they can't score like the kid is insane quick um, and so when your footwork is as good and your rotations are as good and you're as, as fast as Dustin and I can see the temptation. Well, hey, man, like you're so damn fast, you can take more ice because you're still going to beat that pass, but there's no need. And so to hear that, evol- like, I think it's an important point. And I think it's an important point for young kids who, you know, again, it's not an absolute. Don't go yell at your goalie coach that I don't care, if I'm this size, I can go stand on my goal line and play inside out all the time that's not what we're talking about here but also on the flip side just because you're not six foot five doesn't mean you have to play like with your heels a foot and a half outside your crease the the little ropes you line up don't make sense you can fill the net from much deeper positions and you're going to have access and better paths or lines um as as they call them in, in calgary with the wranglers whether it's skapsky or wolf um to next pucks and second pucks and and cross ice passes and all those things.
2: I think there's something that people miss when they go for that extra depth as well. You know, we were talking I mentioned uh the perfection of Saros and we mentioned the perfection of Dustin Wolf and how you have to be so good if you're a little bit smaller. But if you take too much depth, every mistake is magnified. Uh, I think everybody just thinks if you come out far enough, you'll cover the whole net easily, but if you're off two inches to the left when you've taken more depth that actually opens up more net than it would if you were deeper in the net and we could do a few diagrams and show that in an article one day. but you actually that just
0: rocked my world i've never thought of it i've never thought of it in that way
2: i I start think about weird things when i'm watching practices that's amazing
0: uh way to break down uh depth and being too
2: over aggressive
1: you lose your margin for error in every aspect
2: oh All you have to do is go watch 1970s goaltending, and you'll be shocked at a puck going past a guy who's 25 feet out of the net. But now you're off an inch, and it, and it makes a massive difference. The other thing, interestingly, guys, the uh, the NHL Central Scouting final rankings came out was it yesterday or today? And as I'm just flipping through the the list here of 38 North American goaltenders ranked in the in in this list, only six of them were over six foot three. And five of them are six foot. So quite a number at six foot, six one, six two. Hate to say that six two is smaller, but you feel like maybe some other guys are starting to get recognized. Are they still growing recognized.
0: in that way point though?
2: I'm, yeah. I don't know. Don't know. I, 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 I keep, I sure I keep wasn't hoping <laughs> for another growth spurt. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Uh,
0: on the subject of growing Devin Levi professionally, is expanding his uh, resume right now with uh, with an addition to Team Canada.
1: Yeah, and good on him. He's going to go to the World Championships after he goes back to Northeastern and, and finishes up his school for the year. Uh, what an end of the season he had. You know, I think we had this debate about do you start him in the American League or the NHL next year, and everything he did showed he may be capable of making a jump that I don't think we would otherwise recommend. Um, and he's going to get a chance to keep playing. I mean, the kid just loves hockey, right? He loves goaltending. We've we've talked to him before. That passion comes through. And so, um, I'd be honest with you, he's obviously a bigger man than I. I might have been tempted to tell Hockey Canada to go jump <laughs> if I had been invited to the Olympics and interrupted a historically good NCAA season last year just to be left rotting on the bench. And I think Hockey Canada's decision or the coach's decisions to leave Levi on the bench at the Olympics. Um, unless they were seeing something in practices that we've never seen at any other level out of him, uh, looks even more short-sighted now when you see the the his ability to jump right into the National Hockey League level against the best shooters in the world. Um, the idea that he somehow wasn't equipped to do that at the Olympic stage looks, like I said, frankly, it looks silly right now. I, I still can't believe they didn't give him a shot after pulling him out of, like I said, a historic season last year. Uh, back-to-back Richter trophies. We talked about Dustin Wolf getting back-to-back um, AHL goalie of the years. Looks like like Levi already has back-to-back Mike Richter trophies. Is the best goalie in college hockey. The numbers he posted are historic. I can't wait to see him at the World Championships. I can't wait to see how his career unfolds. Um, in addition to being really good, he's just fun. I love his approach. I love his mindset. I love how he does shootouts. Like there's an aggression there, purposeful aggression. Like there's just, he's going to be fun to watch for a long time. And uh, as a goalie geek, I can't wait to, this, this is a ride that's just starting and one I think we're all going to enjoy watching.
0: Fun. I love the idea of having fun and embracing it. Uh, we're, we're seeing that uh, with this changeover that is happening right now in the National Hockey League from uh, the old consistent uh, group that we watched for so many years to this new crop uh fun uh, is is a big part of it and that's part of being uh new to the national hockey league uh, on every level but uh, the gold thing side of it's really being uh jumping out
1: at us but philip gustafson how you doing for a playoff debut eh 50 plus double ot not a problem follows Shrugged up on a season Follows up on a season where he was the only goalie right there with Linus Almark. We talked about it on a per-shot basis, adjusted save percentage. If Philip Gustafson played more this season, he'd be in that Vezina Trophy conversation. He was only 39 starts, so that keeps him out of it. But man, like, and he gets on that stage in an intense, bitter, like one of the most intense playoff games of the first round, or at least the first games of the first round maybe a little outside of his game and, and uncharacteristic in the first period settles it down. And, you know, early in the second, I think he gave up two quick goals, settles it down the rest of the way, Gets through double over like the future is bright for goaltending, not just at the national hockey league, but at every level. And you're right, Darren, it's fun to watch.
0: Yeah. He settled into a rhythm as game one uh, went on. I'll be really fascinated to watch all of these goaltenders who are in uh, high pressure situations, uh, new, uh, situations, how they adapt as, as series goes on, and they get used to the uh, intensity of the of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, but Gustafson was as cool as David Hutchison meditating, just in the moment, Zen. Uh, Tendyfest, June seventeenth. I cannot wait uh, for this. Uh, give us the details one more time.
1: June seventeenth. All right. Langley Iceplex. I think it's the yeah. Iceplex. Listen. I am not a Langley. I don't go to Langley to skate very much. I go out there for the hockey shop. I don't visit the local rinks. I don't know them all by name. So let's just leave it at this. Check out the social media for the hockey shop goal department. THS goal at THS goal on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I know they got TikTok accounts, but I'm not cool enough to find them on there or young enough. So... Check it out. All the details are on there. We'll retweet it and repost it from our accounts here in the next little while. Um, it's a great day. We have people come all the way up from south to Seattle. We have people come all the way from as, as far east as Calgary in years past. It's a full day of goaltending. We are going to bring a special guest. We are going to do some interviews on site for everyone to hear. Um, it's a chance to get on the ice and demo whatever gear you want. They have it all there. Like To me, this is the perfect spot. Like Whether it's sizing because the sizing changes from year to year uh, on some brands and from model to model to make sure you've got it dialed in or just like, like think how many people like, I'll give you the Bauer example, right? Like never played in those pads. They do sort of, you have to, you have to size them up. You have to fit them a little differently. They're, they're not a traditional feeling pad. If you've been, but they're incredible once you get them on. So if you've been waiting for years to try it and you're just like, that's a big investment. Get out there at the hockey shop. Get them on the ice for a while. Take shots. They've got stations. They run drills. You can get out there, do some skating, feel how it is on your leg and say, hey, maybe this is something for me or maybe not. Maybe I need to stick with my softer, more traditional pad. Whether you're a parent with a young kid coming up or a beer leaguer, there is no better opportunity to try out the new gear than the hockey shop Tendy Fest. June 17th. Check out the socials for all the details.
0: Awesome stuff. Uh, Cam will be there. Uh, we'll get to have meet and greets with Cam, photo opportunities with Hutch, and of course, uh, sit down and get one more from Woodley. One more. Uh, all of the things that you love about In Gold Radio, the podcast, and the relationship with the hockey shop, source for Sports Langley, com. I can see the wheels turning in, in Woody's mind right now. Just go around. I'm just pick.
2: thinking... If you're there and you're in a rush to get somewhere at the end of Tandy Fest, don't stop by and have a word one with Woody. More. Just one yes, more. Yeah, because you'll be there for Why another 20, late, 30 minutes. Uh, one
0: more from Woody. Oh yeah, I understand that. That That's good. Uh, thanks to Cam. Uh, thanks to uh, Dustin. Uh, that uh, was awesome uh, today. Really, really cool. And uh, thanks to you for listening to In Goal Radio, the podcast.